We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, you're watching on YouTube to my left, our 2K coach, Frankie. Less than our next guest, apparently. Our what? Lesser than our next guest, apparently, according to you in our last pod. Oh, wow. That was me. Well, on the bottom of the screen, you can see our statistician and pod master of basketball news, Nikaias Duncan, the great Nikaias Duncan. Hello, hello, hello. Just uh, trying to get my 2K rating up so I can be a 2K coach as well. <laughs> Listen, no, Frankie's a 2K coach. Listen, yeah, Frankie has that locked down. Who wins at 2K? If y'all play, like, who wins? Oh, Nikaias. I, I literally haven't bought a 2K since 2K18. Oh wow! So you're wow. The 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 entire image, the entire uh, the entire empire that's, is crumbling. That, that's why I never understood the nickname. I don't even I don't even remember how it started. <laughs> I we started. Oh, because you had said in two K ones, you know, we do we run no, this kind of offense. 
That was Alex. <laughs> that was Alex. He he asked Nikaias before uh, about a, a 2K. He said, since you play 2K so much, what would you do instead of asking asking me? Actual coach. Yeah. Actual actual coach, Frankie. Okay, that's wow. this has been a while. Listen, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that my camera is a little different. Well, a lot of driver, a lot of things didn't want to work today, so we're uh, we're using uh, we're using the backup cameras, and uh, we have this very unflattering angle. So if you're listening to us on our podcast feed, you can see uh, you can see this angle uh, on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash MIA heat beat. And, uh, we're uploading all the VODs to every live stream we do. And every podcast, we upload the video to YouTube, uh, and check us out there. We're having fun. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash MIA heat beat and follow our discord server. That's going to be in the description to this podcast. Now today we've previewed guards and bigs. Today we're doing wings, which is our, this is probably the most important position, kind of most important positional group, uh, in basketball. And to start our preview of wings, Let's talk about a wing that's not necessarily here yet, but might be here soon. Um, and it's kind of the, the news of the day, really, because yesterday we had the, all the Harden stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, today has been a Giannis day because he he still hasn't signed that extension. There's been a lot of very funny quotes uh, on the Internet about, about his extension. My favorite personal anecdote is, uh, you know, Chris Middleton and some other bucks up. I think Pat Connaughton gave him pens, right? They were gifting him a lot of a pen to sign, you know, as a joke to sign the extension. Uh, And apparently Giannis didn't really get it. And uh, they just set 26 pens between Middleton and Connaughton. Uh, And then Giannis said that he didn't get the joke behind the pen gift at first and thought it was funny for the first few pens. Then it got old as more than 20 pens came from Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton. That's from uh, T.I. Windish uh, on Twitter. That's fucking hilarious, Nikaias. Like the idea of your boy, Chris Middleton, just like (laughs) being a reply guy to Giannis. Yeah, like I'm, I'm all for a corny reference. Uh, because that's just who I am. So I appreciate it. It's also hilarious that Giannis just didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. I could just so bad to Giannis just look at the pens like, what am I going to do with these? Why, like, what, why? why are these here? Do you think they're nice pens? Uh, do you think like, they're Mont Blancs? Or do you think they're just giving them like, you know, by the, the Staples, you know, 10 pack? <laughs> oh, they have to be they have to be nice pins. I would also say it's better for Giannis to have those pins than Pat Connaughton. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll leave that there. Pat Connaughton was my favorite player the entire playoffs because every time he was on the floor, the Heat went on a run. It was really nice. I, I really enjoyed Pat Connaughton minutes. He was so bad, and I just thought uh, the fact that he was getting like fourth quarter minutes and Wes Matthews just kind of chilling <laughs> on the bench after. <laughs> That's why Wes Matthews is a Laker. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably it. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, Matthews. I think it's funny that the Bucks really like they're gonna like legitimately probably depend on him in the regular season for minutes because like it, it, it. I mean, I think they rebounded really nicely from the from kind of the Bogdanovich fiasco, but I mean, they're a little thin at times. Yeah, it's gonna be. I want to say tough. I mean, like Drew's probably gonna play a lot of two, and then they have like Bryn Forbes, and DJ Augustine, kind of split up those like backup guards. He's, I mean, he's fine. Like, I mean, fuck, you know, hey, not shoot, a playoff like, guy. What? Ask your rap. Ask your Raptors. The only, about that's DJ the only thing. Thank I just, you. I listen. I just remember, and I, I mention this all the time, and I get made fun of because of how much I mention it. The lasting image of DJ Augustine is the the Pacers literally could not survive minutes without George Hill because every time DJ Augustine came on the floor, LeBron and Wade smelled blood. They absolutely obliterated the Pacers in those minutes. And he, and DJ Augustine makes Kyle Lowry into whale blubber in the Listen, playoffs. So. 
Ben Gordon did the same to Dwayne. It happens. There's sometimes guys just come in here and they look amazing. And what can you say? Wade Ellington used to do that. The it's just. I mean, I, I, Buck's Twitter is in a frenzy. Obviously, you know, with all the transactional kind of talk. I mean, I, I just think it's uh, you know, Giannis saying that he's just focusing on himself, that he's not worried about an extension that's between my agent. It's also funny because it just it really sounds like when somebody tweets after a breakup. Yeah, I'm just working on myself right now. You know, I just care about me. I'm just looking to improve. It's like some shit. You know, some insp- just retweeting inspirational Instagram messages. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, buddy, you have you have all the information. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, Giannis's whole thing outside of like being really good at basketball is just like all I care about is hoops. You know, I don't care about the outside stuff. You're creating a distraction. Like every day that you don't sign the extension or decide not to sign the extension is is going to be a headline. So, like, if you if you want to be in Milwaukee as much as you say you do, which I believe, like, Giannis is basically he's extended every possible branch to Milwaukee in their front office. Like they basically have to push him out for him to leave. Like that's, that's just kind of been the vibe he's had over the last few years. Like totally. The fact that he hasn't signed kind of like a sign. (laughs) Yeah. Because the max, the the contract is what it is, right? It's like, he's obviously getting the maximum of what he could be offered. So it's not even like, Oh, this is a negotiation. I want this much money or I want the extra year. No, it's like literally like the most that this organization, the most that this institution can give you, the maximum that we are allowed within the rules of the league is offered to you. So you know what I mean? There's not a lot of negotiation. Yeah, like it's a very yes or no thing. Like it's either take the full max or if you want to like haggle for a one plus one or a two plus one, like sure. Like you can't get a super max off of that, obviously, because it's not five years. But like that's what I tweeted earlier. I'm just like, this is hilarious because there is not a single offer that Giannis and his agent can send in Milwaukee that they will be like, you know what, actually Giannis, no, how about this? Like, they're not going to send a counter off of to Giannis. Yeah. If Giannis says, I want a one plus one, they will give him a pin. Yeah, sure. What if give you... like... <laughs> <laughs> They'll give him 30. They'll ask Middleton and Connison for their stash. And then... There you go. Like, if, <laughs> if Giannis wants a one plus one, if he wants the full five, if he wants three, like, they're going to say yes because it's Giannis. So, like, for there to not be a deal yet, It breathes breathes life into so many, like, so he fans, obviously, you know, we're all hype, right? Because now we're back, baby. We're back. And then Mm -hmm. Raptor fans, I see people, you know, from our friends over at Dishes and Dimes are like, oh, Uncle Masai is going to come through again. We're all back. Every fan base is like, we're back in, baby. Like, we are here. We're ready to go. Frank, you're laughing, but it's true. No, I'm laughing because, uh, like the I think NBA Twitter has like unanimously agreed that Dallas is like the best fit for him. But Dallas fans that I see are just like so self deprecating <laughs> that <laughs> that they're like, we never get a free agent. He's not coming here. It's also like the I mean, Raptors don't get free agents either, but they're confident. They're preening. They're just like, we we can do this. Like, like this is the one that they can get. I mean, this the beside be so excited. I think the besides stuff's real. I mean, like, and we talked about this in our group chat earlier. Like, they're going to get, it really feels like the Heat are going to get one of Beal, Harden, or Giannis. Like, it kind of feels inevitable. Like, one of them has to end up here, right? Like, God, I hope so. So we have something to talk about. I mean, the the tea leaves are real. I mean, like, I was on, um, I was on onside radio with Clay Ferraro yesterday. And, you know, he, he was, we were talking about like, Pat 
always gets in the room. Like Pat's always in the discussion. Like even when Pat didn't have any cap space, you know, to sign LaMarcus Aldridge back when LaMarcus Aldridge was an all-star, uh, all-NBA caliber player, he only had a mid-level exception and LaMarcus took a meeting with him. You know what I mean? Like Pat's always, Pat's always, I mean, let me tell you something. That team with Dion Waiters and James Johnson and like that, that team got in the room with Kevin Durant. That's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like, let's think about that in retrospect. That Tyler Johnson and James Johnson and Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside, like that group of guys, Pat was like, you want to play with them? And Katie's like, well, let me think about this. No, that wasn't the team. That, that this was the, that was the uh, one that went to seven with the Raptors. No. That was, that was before. Yeah, no. that was before. That was that summer because uh, we didn't re-sign Wade. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The Gordon Hayward one was was the, yeah, the yeah. yes, and was, then they then they that that's one. when they signed the four year deals because they had everything yeah. in place before. Yeah, I mean, still, it's still funny that that you know all this happened. Um, so I mean, we we obviously have to talk about the transactional stuff, but we really want to move on to kind of the preview of the Wings, right? Because the Wings are the most important position in basketball right now, I would say, and the Heat have probably one of the best. ESPN ranked. Jimmy Butler, <laughs> our premier wing, as the 12th best player. Uh, a little, a little, I don't want to get too much into. It. I'm a little offended that you know uh, he, you know, he they beat Jason Tatum, and I don't think Jason Tatum could do with Jimmy Butler during the finals. I know Nikias is probably gonna oh and but you know Jason Tatum blah 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 Paul the scorers and that I don't I don't know. I, I'll take Jimmy. <laughs> I'm scared because like I think. Like- the, the basketball hipster in me wants like feels like Jason Tatum's the right answer, but like the culture in me says, nah, fuck that, Jimmy. I mean, that's definitely fair. Um, I would just say from my understanding of what the NBA rank, the ESPN rank is, it's a projection of how the players are going to perform this year, more so than like how they rank coming into the season. So if they're projecting Jason Tatum to have a better season than Jimmy Butler, like I don't super disagree with that. Like, I think Tatum and Butler were pretty much on par with each other last year. I think you can project for some some progression with Tatum with the shot. Um, again, like, he needs to develop a little bit more in, like, the mid-range area. Like, he has no floater, which is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> for a guy to be that. For him to be as talented as he is as, like, a mid-post scorer, as a three-point shooter, to have no floater whatsoever is just kind of hilarious. But, like, he's a fantastic defender. Like, he has just basically everything you want in a wing. So, like, I can get why ESPN would rank him higher if they did. He's not the playmaker Jimmy is, though. Like, Jimmy is just such a good guy, like, kind of, kind of creating for others and, and off the dribble. And, like, even, like, I, the free throw rates are – I don't even think are close, mm-hmm. even though Jason's, yeah, but, like, way younger. Yeah, I think Tatum has improved as a passer. Like, the game is definitely starting to slow down for him. So, like, if you account for some growth as a passer in addition to what he already brings to the score and as a shooter – and what he brings as a defender. Like, uh, I just recently wrote, I did an Atlantic uh, division preview for basketballnews.com earlier this week. And I wrote, like, Jason Tatum might be the best off-ball defender in basketball right now. Like, I don't think that's... Over Giannis? Because, uh, like, that help, you know, like, like he's yeah, just like, incredible as a help defender. He is. I, I guess I'm looking at it in terms of, like, just the rotations themselves, like from yeah. in terms of weight defender, like I, I view Giannis is over big. So I think that's kind of a different role there, but like just the way that, yeah, that Tatum's able to play between two way he's able to dig and recover, just reading passing lanes. He is way beyond his years. And I feel like that's only going to get better as he learns 
you know, gets more experience. Uh, I mean, the sky is really the limit for him, which, you know, Heat fans don't want to hear. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. The, Frankie, tell us about how Jimmy's all about culture and, like, what he did to LeBron in the finals. Nobody else does. Imagine if, if Tatum had a good coach, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I mean, but, but no. Frankie, seriously, like, we look at Jimmy, right? Like, the, you know, the I, I know that we talked a lot about Bam and everything starts and ends with Bam next season and, and kind of the leap he takes is going to be really telling, but what Jimmy does, I want to talk first about what Jimmy does defensively, because I think that's going to be the, probably the more interesting part of this team going forward this year, where there's a lot of question marks on defense, you know, without Jay Crowder and all that stuff. Like I think his stuff off ball on ball is just so critical to what they do. He's their best guy doing that right now. Uh, like, you know, at, at the wing position and I'm kind of, it's, it's weird to talk about this team, Frankie, because there's, there's all, there's like two ways to talk about them. Like, the regular season them and the playoff them just because I think that we saw a bit that they're a 16, you know, game team more than a, an 82 or I guess 72 in this case. And I think kind of projecting what Butler's going to do through a regular season where I imagine there's going to be a lot of rest and conservation of energy because he's probably still freaking exhausted is really hard to project. But like the defense I think is really going to go as far as he and Bam take it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I see Jimmy, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see how healthy he is coming in. Uh, you know, he had the, the short off season, like everybody else in the heat and the Lakers. Uh, but you know, Jimmy's getting, you know, starting his 31 and starting his first season in the thirties. Uh, he's, I, I expect him to, to be in tip top shape, pristine condition. I'm really interested in his, um, defense. Cause I felt like at times, uh, especially in the beginning of the season, it, it kind of wavered the, the, the energy felt like he was conserving it at times. It wasn't like, um, he, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of the, uh, pesky energy stuff he used to do when he was in Chicago early on. And that's, that's a role thing as well. Cause, uh, you know, he doesn't, he has to conserve a little bit more, but he, he does such a great job, you know, using his hands. He's got some of the best hands in the league. He's pesky. He's, he's poking at, at, uh, in the passing lanes, poking on, on drives. He's, he can strip you if you're going up and you're, you're you don't take it up strong. Uh, he, he's, and, and one thing we don't really talk enough about Jimmy, he's not that athletic. He's, no, he's, he's not, he's strong and he, and he's knows how to use his body, but he's not, he doesn't have quick feet. He's, he's, he's not springy along. Right. Like you wouldn't like, he's, he's not uh, winning a foot race. A lot of the times he's going to outwork a lot of guys mm-hmm. and he, he's going to give you a hundred uh, in a, in a matter matter of effort. But um, as far as like, you know, jumping, jumping out the gym and stuff. He's not going to do all that stuff, but Jimmy's, you know, so I feel like Jimmy's going to have a great second half of his career because he's, he's already learned how to play within himself physically. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him second season, more comfortable. We saw a lot of it last season, especially in the playoffs, uh, Jimmy uh, running uh, stuff as the big using the DHOs uh, as the role man uh, uh, running elbow sets uh, himself, pinch post, 
you know, I, I, I liked it. I, I liked it because it didn't make Jimmy work so hard from the outside in, made him work eight, 18 feet in, and he got, got to go to his spots. And Jimmy's a lot harder to defend when he's only a dribble or two away from the basket. I loved Nikias when they were using him as a screener for the pistol sets. That stuff, they were getting good things out of that every time, especially against the Lakers. That was one of my favorite things that they were doing. They were just having him screen down there. And I was like him as a screener. And I don't have this energy numbers. And I probably should have asked you that before the show. But I feel like his his work in his, as a screener in this really motion heavy offense has been absolutely spectacular and under talked about. Yeah, I feel like in certain spots, in certain spots, especially when you're closing games with Goron, you need a a guy that can get it off the bounce for you. That defense have to respect in those ball screen actions. I think using Jimmy as a screener is the smart way to go, because if you get to a situation where defenses are blitzing those or they're just giving you a soft hedge or whatever, if you have Jimmy slipping into space, he wants to get downhill anyway. And now you have a defense in the rotation, which makes it a little bit easier for him to create those opportunities for himself at the rim. You kind of have to foul him at that point, and that's kind of where he lives. <laughs> so he likes um, so, so I mean that's I mean, just that's just a way to get him going downhill without him having to do so much work with the ball. Um, I mean, and I think with Tyler kind of probably taking a step forward as a as a ball handler, I think that'll probably help both of them. It'll give Tyler some on ball reps and it kind of gives some Jimmy a little rest. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I think one thing I'm interested, uh, just stepping away from the screening, uh, I wonder what Jimmy's jumper is going to look like this year. Because, oh like, as, as great as he played last year and how he stepped it up in the postseason, things of that nature, like, it just ha- now it's kind of gone under the radar that he just had his worst shooting season of his career. And, like, that kind of has to bounce back somewhat, I believe. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't – you get much worse. Than 24% he, uh, from three. 24% yeah. on two attempts and he's not that bad. Yeah, no, in theory. His free throw percentage was didn't dip, but it was the definitely the in-game shooting uh from three and, and mid-range was tremendous. 39% from 10 feet, 10 to 16 feet. Yeah, like that that's just that's just not him. So like ideally, I mean they haven't had much of a break since the finals, but you would think that he's had at least a little bit of time to kind of rest the wrist and things of that nature, like if the jumper bounces back at all, like he won't have to work as hard as he did last year to generate the looks. I mean, he's going to be cashing in more jumpers. What if I tell you? Go. I was going to say he wouldn't, he won't have to batter his way to the rim, like every possession to generate something good. So what do you think he shot from 10 to 16 feet in the playoffs? So that kind of really sweet spot mid range jumper that he likes. Uh, I'm going to say 35%. Frankie. Uh, so remember see. in the regular season, he shot 10 to 16. Yeah. I would say like 46.3. Yeah. 46.3 by 40. You just checked you jerk. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was already looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's great. Like, I mean, like if, if you're getting that guy who's, you know, uh, especially like when he starts having more on ball reps, you know, if guys want to dip under the, if guys want to duck under the, the screen, you know, he can really get to that pull up really easy. They do a lot of kind of mid pick and rolls with him and bam too, which I really like. I think that I, I don't, I'm not worried about the three point shot as much as I probably should. I, I kind of with Nikaya said, I just think that that might be a little randomness or the, so some of the wrist, I think the playoff numbers on the mid range and it looks good. It's kind of like Dwayne that even if it, it's not going in, it's like the shot looks good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you like the yeah, process. No, he, 
didn't he have like a shoulder ish uh, ailment like early on in the season as well? That and a wrist. Like a shooting shoulder and a wrist. Yeah, he shot. Uh, I was looking. I'm looking at the numbers now. Last year, from uh, 16 to the three point line, uh, he shot 27.8 percent, and that is easily by far the lowest of his career. And in the playoffs, that got to 41 percent. Right. So yeah, up that decent. all the time. Yeah. And in the playoffs. I think that that was kind of really the best version, the most assertive. I thought that at times, you know, we saw some of the overpassing and the passive Jimmy that was a little annoying in the regular season. But I thought a lot of times, I mean, he really took the game by the horns against the Bucks. I mean, and what I love, I loved how willing he was to to hunt, right? Like, okay, where where is Kemba Walker? Where is George Hill? I want I want him, right? I'm let me let, let me force the switch. Let me let me attack this matchup. Let me get these bigs out of the picture because I'm going to pull up and they're not going to be able to come really do much. I'm going to go one-on-one with a guy that's smaller than me that I can, that I'm stronger than. And that's one thing that they haven't really, because even, even Dwayne at the end, you know, would probably hunt more bigs than anything, but it really wasn't, you know what I mean? Dwayne was operating kind of sliding in that pick and roll, kind of going North South, not really finding matchups to attack. I mean, it's been, it's been probably since LeBron that they had a guy that can legitimately go, okay, I'm I'm gonna pick who's the weak link. I'm gonna find him. All right, Dwayne. It's just let me find the youngest guy on the course so I can get a pump fake and get <laughs> to the free throw line. <laughs> I'm gonna show <laughs> you. Kind of, I'm gonna show you the most veteran ass move ever. You ready? I mean, even, I mean, dude, <laughs> vets. I mean, ten year vets for falling for that. You know what I mean? Like Kirk Heinrich was still falling for it. And I'm like, dude, you played him forever. Like, come on. <laughs> he legend Avery Bradley would fall for it. Everybody did. Everybody did. And how do we know? But I guess in the moment it's tough, but it's just that that was always funny. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world. And with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore, Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short-term list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try it with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you will be on in the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you the most options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
head over to bet online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts um i think i'm kind of wondering nikaias like we talked about this a little bit last show about kind of how the bigs are going to play defense. Do you think that they're going to go more switch or do you think they're going to go more drop? Because that's really also going to determine kind of the wear and tear on Jimmy. I think with Avery Bradley, and especially if they start Myers Leonard, I think you may be able to do more of a drop, but I think when things are important, they're going to just go major switching. I don't know. Yeah, I would anticipate it's going to be a similar, uh, a similar diet to what we saw last year. I think it's going to be a lot of drop in the regular season. Um, I think uh, an underrated thing to watch in terms of that, like obviously all these defensive scheme and those decisions are uh, personnel based. Um, I wonder what's going to happen with Kelly Olenek. Um, I want, if he get ends up getting packaged for someone, if he gets packaged, like if it's him and Kendrick Nunn or something, they get a, a different four or if they, you know, if they swing for Victor Oladipo or whatever, like if they, if they get a wing or they get a four, then it wouldn't surprise me if the heat really leaned fully into a switch heavy defense and just continue to hammer home those reps. Um, it's kind of similar to, I would say the 17, 18 season for Houston to where they just said, you know what game one of 82, we're switching everything. We're going to go ahead and drill these principles. Now um, doesn't really matter about the wear and tear right now. We are focused on golden state. We want to make sure that our switching is airtight by the time we face them. So I wonder if the Heat are going to fully lean into that switching style in that same way. If they do make another move, I think Kelly Olin is going to be the swing piece there. Because if you're saying if they do like flip Kelly and someone, they get a four, then maybe that four in theory is going to be better than more Harkless. And if he's better than more Harkless, then he could probably, yeah, then he starts and then you just have Bam at the five or whoever you trade for it before. And then you can just kind of lean into that. And then Myers becomes your matchup dependent third big. But um, if nothing, no, go. uh, I was going to say, like, if nothing like that happens, then yeah, I think it's going to be similar to last year where it's just going to be a lot of drop in the regular season. Um, if they do start Myers at the five, they Bradley at the one, or if just Bradley get, has a big role during the regular season, it's going to be dropped. And then once the games matter, they're going to downsize. I think that's what we'll see. Like, and I, 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 I'm, I think that they have a team of like really, really smart veteran guys, especially like smart defensive veterans, especially at the wing. I mean, Jimmy, Mo Harkless, Andre, right? Like, I, I don't think you know what I mean. It's almost like I think guys like that are going to be smart enough and they're going to be disciplined enough that they don't have to, you know, they, they they can probably flip a switch and be able to kind of osmosis, you know, these coverages, maybe, maybe for the younger guys like Tyler and and Duncan and all that, like, and we're going to get into Duncan later because he's, he's huge to what they do. But uh, like that, that's, I guess those guys are the ones that you're more worried about, but I mean, they're, they're already hunted anyway. You know what I mean? Like those guys are, are, uh, apparently Tyler thinks that they're getting picked on because they're white, not because they're small and not that strong. <laughs> that dude, how did you experience that? That was funny. We talked a little bit about that a, like a couple weeks ago when, when that dropped. That was really funny. When Duncan and Tyler I, said that they were targeted uh, on JJ Reddick's podcast because they were because they were white. <laughs> I I didn't get that being like think piece the way it was like. That thought it was funny. Like it's it's they're basketball players like joking around. They're they're white basketball players joking about being white NBA players. Like I don't I don't care about that. Like if you watch games, you know why to get picked on. Like it's <laughs> it's fine. It's not because they're white. It's because they can't move or they're they have weak cores or they don't digest yeah. cut plays quickly. Like it's I mean that's or wingspan or wingspan issues. 
Yeah, like it's, yeah, it is what it is. Kirk Heinrich didn't get picked on because he was white. He never got picked on because he was a good defender. So <laughs> it was. Yo, Dwayne well, would have, have Kirk Heinrich nightmares. That guy was that guy was brutal against the Heat. <laughs> yeah. like, just just let him have the jokes, man. I don't care. I think it's, it's funny. Just... I, we we laughed. We had we had a good laugh about it. Um, I I I wonder. Do you guys? I wonder how many games Jimmy's going to play. And it's really tough to talk about, but like, do you think that they have survivable offense without him for like, if he misses like, I don't know, like 10 games in this first half of the season? Like, do you think that their offense can really survive that? Because before when he really missed a lot of games, justice was here and Mm -hmm. justice would kind of take the responsibility of, okay, I'm, I'm the wing that's going to trigger the pick and roll stuff. And I'm going to do the handling. Right. And we have Goran, but like, if Jimmy's going to miss like, you know, considerable time with rest with, with this kind of schedule. Like, I wonder, I wonder if their offense can survive. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's always missed games. Like Jimmy's only played uh, over 70 games twice in his career. So like you're, you're, you you expect Jimmy to, to miss games anyway. So um, I'm expecting a lot th- this time though, because of the, sh- the really short turnaround, yeah. the the strain that he put on himself in the finals. I mean, I'm expecting f- like 50, 55, 55 games, probably out of a 72. He, and that's, that might sound crazy, but he played f- 58 last year and yeah, so. he didn't have a long playoff season. Uh, I'm saying for the fans, man. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, it, it all depends on who else is healthy. Cause it, it's one thing for J- Jim to be the only one missing. And it's another thing for, uh, Jimmy and Goron to both be missing time at the same time and, or, and Tyler mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Uh, that's kind of where like, the, the, that's where the heat ran into some trouble in February when it was like multiple guys missing time at the same time. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's all about timing. If, if Jimmy's getting rest at the same time as, as Goron, that I don't really agree with that, but you know, it's on, it's on Spo to, to try to get the, the, the guys ready and, and hopefully hero and, and, uh, bam can take another leap so they can, uh, shoulder a little bit more of the load. I feel like Jimmy's Jimmy. And I feel like we kind of know what we're going to get. I thought Nikias asked a really good question about the jumper, but other than that, I think that he's pretty, I think he's the guy on the team that you get, that you know what you're going to get production wise. And I don't think that there's a question. Yeah. The guy I don't know about, and I think he's probably the one I've been most excited to talk about since we started this has been Mo Harkless because when they lost Jay Crowder, and I've said this before on the pod, they lost the ability to not only play up a position because Jay, you know, could really play up, a guy, right? Like Jay Crowder can really guard guys bigger than him. And he was strong and he was not a, I mean, I, I, we all had our jokes, but like he was a plus shooter last year, despite kind of the unraveling at times and how he was guarded. I mean, he's a big reason why they were able to beat the bucks because of his spacing. And then if they give him, so like Mo Harkless has a much shakier jump shot than Jay Crowder. And I don't think he's as strong and I don't think he's as good guarding up now. Nikias, I know that you've talked at length about this, and I, 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 we have not talked about this yet. So I'm really curious as to how you feel about that. Um, I think those are fair critiques if you're just comparing Harkless and Crowder. Uh, I think Crowder does have the ability, like he, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, but like he did a fantastic job of at least making Anthony Davis work, and that is no tall task. Uh, 
so like he, I mean, he defended Giannis in the second round. Like he, he has experience kind of playing up. Like he's been doing that basically his entire career. Um, I don't think Mo Harkless is a guy that can do that. What I do think Mo Harkless gives you is a little bit more versatility defensively. Like he can switch out on guards more than you can trust a guy like Jay Crowder to do. And I think that's going to be important in certain matchups. Um, I mean, just kind of eyeing the, let's say, the Boston matchup with the Heat getting in the playoffs. Like, I think Harkless, Harkless would probably do a better job on a guy like Jason Tatum than, a guy, than Jay Crowder would, for example. Jay Crowder's the guy you want on power wings or like those four, or like traditional four, like Anthony Davis. More Harkless are, is the guy that you can switch out on like a Tatum or Jalen Brown, those kind of guys. So if you're worried about those kind of wing creators, then I think Harkless helps. Um, the three-point shot has always kind of came and went with him. And it's kind of, it's felt worse. And in a way it is worse because the volume also hasn't been there. Yeah. So, you know, so like Jay Crowder might have a, a three for 10 or three for 11 night for three, but at the end of the day, he gave you nine points on threes. A Bo Harkless bad night is 0 for three. And that's just kind of, it's just kind of it because he's just not shooting enough for it to matter. Um, Eric Spolster has already talked about Harkless being a good shooter and how he's already in his ear about letting it fly. So I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. Um, I don't like the bars, the floor for more Harkless to have a career high in three point attempts, because I think he's only eclipsed two like once or twice in his career. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, if Harkless takes four threes, five threes a night, and shoots it at a 32, 33% clip, that isn't great. God, it's bad. But it's like, it's, it's not great. So I don't want to sugarcoat it. But also, if it's that in combination with the growth from Bam, with what you're getting from Jimmy, with what you're getting from Duncan Robinson, if Tyler Hero start, slides to the starting lineup, you know, the improvement from him, that combined with Harkless taking, some, taking more threes and hitting, hitting some, like, I think that's fine especially once you add in the added versatility that you get defensively. Um, so I, I do think on balance is going to be a fine pickup and, you know, it's a one-year flyer, so it, it's not going to have any really long-term implications there. Um, and, and if all else fails, you just go to what, what you saw in the regular season last year, Myers at the five, you know, you replace more Harkins at the four with Bam out of bio. So I just don't there there isn't really any downside, I feel. I kind of think that's what they do anyway. Yeah. Especially at the start of the season. Now, guys, do you buy into this theory that I have that so Miami's kind of shot doctored? I don't even want to say shot doctored, but they've really had guys come in here at that position, like James Johnson, like Jay Crowder, who's have career years from three and Luol Dang, right? And I I I kind of have a theory because I don't really, they don't really have like guys I, I don't really think it's Shem shot doctoring it right I think it's more there's so much motion in Eric Spolstra offenses especially post LeBron that you know if you're a guy and you're screening for an action and then you're flashing out or you're really involved in whatever the set is when you catch the ball you're in rhythm you're not PJ Tuckering it in the corner right where you're you know you could you would get called for an eight second violation if they had it in the corners you're 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 always moving and <laughs> when you when you get the ball in rhythm I feel like that's a that's an easier way to make a shot and because you've touched the ball because you've been involved in more actions you know it's, it's I don't know you, you just I imagine you get in a rhythm I, I don't know if that's that holds any water this is how always I've always felt and I was kind of wondering what you, what you and Frankie thought because I know you guys are much smarter than I am um, I would say that I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have a short answer. I let Frankie take it. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but uh, I say that definitely, it definitely makes sense. And I think in addition to that, it's just 
having so much confidence instilled in you. Yeah. You know, like going back to last off season um, or last training camp when spoke, when the spoke comment on Duncan Robinson made the rounds where he was like, Hey, you're, he's already one of the best shooters in the world. He doesn't have to prove it. And then you go to basketball reference and you see what Duncan shot from three in the handful of games that he played. Just like, oh, are we sure about this? Or going back <laughs> a year or two before with Wayne Ellington, it's like, no, we want Wayne to take 10, 15 threes. I think when you empower guys, in addition to the rhythm that they have being involved in those kind of offensive actions like you spoke to, it is easier to establish a rhythm. You have more confidence. It's an easier ball to shoot. Um, you're not worrying about being pulled if you miss two shots in a row as long as they're good shots. So I think all of that kind of factors into it. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a it's also a case-by-case case, uh, issue as well because, you know, there's a guy like Shane Battier who you're not going to have – uh, have him run around on offense. You want him to set screens, pop, or uh, at the most uh, as his movement and or spot up. And uh, you want Ray Allen moving around a lot more uh, to bend the defense a little bit. So it, it definitely uh, matters on what kind of shooter you are. Um, Cause a lot of guys I, I've asked players that I've coached before, you know, like, where do you, how do you feel more comfortable? Are you, are you more comfortable as a spot up guy having your feet set already? Are you good? coming off the screen, catching it, uh, setting your feet in, in one motion. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot of technique. Um, you know, guys like Duncan, Duncan has elite balance coming off screens, coming off handoff. He said he sets his feet so well off the one, two, off the hop, uh, whatever you want to look for, uh, guys like hero really good at it. Um, I, I feel like got some guys that are used to having the ball in their hands, especially like young guys, uh, gr- growing up in college and stuff, uh, early on when you st- start throwing them in the corners just to spot up and don't involve them in the offense, those kind of guys struggle with it. Some guys like Mo Harkless is used to just spotting up because that's his whole role. I feel like what Spo's trying to do here, like Nakaya says, is empower him, uh, trying to say, hey, look, we believe in you. We're not, I'm not going to take you out if, as long as you're playing hard. Just keep shooting. And, and try to see if that that confidence is what he needs. And it might it honestly might be with Harkless. Uh, I, one thing that concerns me is his, his corner shooting his for his career. Corner shots are usually the easiest three pointers. Uh, that's that's the shortest one. They're majority of the time, vast majority of the time assisted. So it's a catch and shoot set shot. And he shoots 32 percent from the corner for his How career. Much? So um, and that's usually a pretty good bat, bear, like. Um, uh, mark of where what you are as a, a just catch and shoot guy if uh, your corner shot so I'm I'm concerned with it I'm hoping it's a confidence thing maybe Spo and you know a little couple technique things uh, they work on to just get his his shot a little more fluid um, but as long as he's playing defense and and shooting uh, the open shots you know he's 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 what he is he's a solid guy I think the interesting thing about Miami's offense is like, if you look at where Jay Crowder's shot diet came from, a lot of it came from like the break, right? Cause you know, you have him screening in those actions or he's either screaming, screening for Duncan or Tyler to kind of curl off to, into that handoff or whatever. And then that's where he is. And he's usually stationed there. And same with, you know, if Bam ever gets a shot, I imagine the diet of the shots would come up from where he's doing the handoff. Cause he's not really a stand in the corner guy. The corner guys are usually Duncan relocating, Tyler relocating, Goran relocating their, their wings are typically not shooting from the corners, which I feel is a little backwards. Cause most of the NBA would have guys like, you know, your PJ Tucker is your Robert Covington's right. Kind of spotting yeah. it from over there. Your three and D wings. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, 
diversity in the way that Miami takes threes. And I think that, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like, I actually think the guys is like underestimated. I think that he might shoot like 34, 35% from this. I mean, he's had a 40% season once that might've been a contract year in Portland. I don't remember, but uh, like he actually was, wasn't Maurice Harkless the one that was right at um right at 40% for the season. And then if he shot, if he missed a three at the last game of the season, he would lose a bonus or something. It I was thirty five percent, but yeah, that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five hundred thousand dollar bonus in the contract. He shot thirty five percent for three. He just stopped taking them for the rest of the year. That was so funny. And he finished with thirty five point three five one. Um, I like you know, guys. When you said the thing about the guards, I thought that was interesting because, like, when I was watching film for the a piece I did last season about Miami switching, you know, they would switch a lot of Jay Crowder onto guards. Uh, and that like rarely went well. And like, you know, the guards were Trey Young and Kemba Walker and, you know, Luca, who's not really a guard, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just never went well, but those are like transcending guys. And I think the foot speed, uh, that's actually really interesting because uh, I, I didn't consider how that would work kind of sizing down. But I thought that they relatively solved that, you know, especially because they're comfortable switching Bam onto those guys, right? Those quicker, smaller guards. I think Bam's really comfortable and, and he's done a good job. And like, if anything, they're forced into like, a 35 footer, like, like he really baits him into it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the issue with that is when Bam is the lone big is who's the backside guy. Um, oftentimes so often it's when Jimmy. Bam goes to help Bam goes to switch. If, if it's not Jay or Jimmy it's Goron, Tyler, Duncan, uh, guys who are not going to be much of a force, uh, full impact at the rim. And that's why you see a lot of those, those rim numbers, uh, when Bam is at the five, uh, you know, bleed, it's because they they try to force Bam away from the help from the the rim and and that's why Jay was was such a big help for them because he was gave them something on offense, uh, being the fifth option and hitting shots and a body he could he could he was a, a body who was tough inside and strong, uh, so with a guy like Mo he's so skinny so you hope for that he's he get get feisty in there. Um, I see him playing more on more three and four. I, I, f- I feel like Iggy will be the power wing more often uh, than Mo. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same. I mean, like, and that kind of gives us a nice transition. I mean, we can go either Andre or, or Precious, but I, I really kind of wanted to get into Precious because last time on the pod, when we talked about bigs, we talked about Precious if he, you know, if they choose to use him as a big, but I think that, he could be he could be a very effective wing for them, and he could be kind of that power forward, kind of can guard the the Jason Tatum's, the LeBrons, the Giannis's, right? He can be that power wing defender, and kind of to your point about Bam, you know, they can they can put Precious on ball to keep Bam helping, or kind of going back to your earlier point about Butler and the athleticism, like Precious is the freak athlete, and if you want him to be roaming and helping, I mean, between him and Bam, I think theoretically, you know, that works really nicely. You know what I mean? Like, and, and uh, go. No, I'll say I, I get what you mean. Um, I probably still wouldn't classify him as a wing just because that's uh, he's not going to be doing wing things offensively for starters. Like, or if he is, then that's probably where you're going to see like Spo asking what's going on out there. If he's trying to get <laughs> coast to coast <laughs> early on. Um, but I do think of you're on to something in terms of defending like the power wings, just because he does have that frame six, nine, seven, two wingspan, I believe is what he is. Oh um, yeah. Oh have yeah. Him, have him, big boy. 
Yeah, so like he's listed at what two thirty somewhere in there. Like I think he is a guy that you can throw on a LeBron. Like it probably isn't gonna go well because it's freaking LeBron. But just in terms of like eventually the the archetype, like I get he would be the guy to have those assignments. And I think within that context, it's going to be important to see like what his jumper looks like moving forward. Because again, Mo Harkless doesn't have a rep as a shooter in terms of accuracy or in terms of volume. Um, Precious doesn't have really the volume or the efficiency right now either, just in terms of like the college sample, the high school yeah. sample, whatever. But he does shoot an easy ball. So it, if he does get those reps and he's comfortable taking them from the corners or whatever, if the volume is going to be the same and you get into a matchup to where you need someone to defend like a bigger forward, Precious is going to be more physically capable of handling those matchups that like Jay Crowder would took on last year than Mo Harkless would. So that's where it just gets into Mo Harkless being a regular season placeholder. And if Precious is coming along with the jumper, then you throw, you give him the four minutes and then you just kind of go from there. Like why, why can't he be some sort of facsimile of Jeremy Grant on offense? Like why do you just like, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like obviously not that he won't have that those ball skills or whatever, but, or the shooting, but I, I think he could be some sort of rookie, very raw facsimile of that. I don't, I don't see why he couldn't. But J- Jeremy Grant was very raw coming out of high school, t- uh, out of college too. Like it took Jeremy Grant a few years to be Jeremy Grant. That's what I mean, like a facsimile. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying yeah, I mean, OG and an OB, but you know we we can get there. No, I, Put the work I in. could definitely see I could definitely see him th- showing flashes of it. Um, it's just a, with, with rookies, it's hard to be. Uh, you know, you're tested so much off off ball um, that and and you know there's very very few rookies that are positive impact players. Uh, so precious, you know, an energy guy, extremely athletic, runs the. F- or uh, hard um, can finish in transition uh, and, and can, like you said, can defend well, you want him to just be, be the guy who on certain wing matchups that he's, he's guarding him one-on-one. So he doesn't have to worry about off ball stuff or switch lineups. Uh, So he's just as simple as possible. He's not worried about uh, double screening, calling out this, calling out that Uh, he's doing this as little as possible, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, that's basically supposed best way to maximize them, which, you know, you can have them in the Jay Crowder role in that. Cause um, you know, Bam, and Bam, Bam will help him if, if Bam's in there, Myers will help them because they will talk and they will tell him to, you know, pull the string when Myers goes to help Precious got to drop down and make sure he's the, at the rim. Precious is a good, really good rim protector. And he was on one of the best uh, defensive teams in college last year in Memphis. And he, uh, I think he was third in blocks for out of rookies, out of freshmen. Like I, I, I saw, you know, we kind of joked when they picked him, but like I, I honestly really see the vision. And you know, even if they play him with like Goron, right? That really simplifies his offensive role. You're gonna screen, you're gonna screen for Goron. Uh, we talked about this last time. Goron's a great, you know, lob thrower now. You know, he's really improved that since he got into Miami. It's a good, nice target for you. Kind of gets you downhill. You know, jump out of the gym. Young guys like that. It's a pretty, pretty easy role. And, and they could still play him at four with the Linux. You know what I mean? So if you have KO and Precious, you know, you could put you could throw out KO, Precious, Goran, you know, one of Tyler and Dunk, and then you know, plus one more if it's Andre or whatever. And you know, that's a I like that. I like that offensively. I like that. I think it survives defensively. And and I think, you know, you really kind of make it easy for him, especially with all those vets. 
Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what's going. I think that's going to be the fit. Like he's going to be your four. Um, probably operates as the five offensively, just because you know he's still developing the shot right now, and he's going to be better utilized as a dive man just because of the vertical pop that he has, catch radius that he has, things like that. Um, you know, defensively, he's going to be a blank slate. I feel like. I mean, right now he's really good. Um, helps side defender. Uh, Frankie talked about his college resume a little bit earlier. Um, he does have the frame to deal with like those power wings and those kind of guys kind of thrive at the four now. So he will be able to take on those matchups, kind of be that weak side protector um, if the other big is brought out of the paint. So like there is a path for him. I, I mean, there's a pretty clear path to him being a productive rookie. It's just going to depend on how early Spo gives him reps and what that leash is going to look like. I mean, they've been good at that. I mean, like going from Justice to Josh to Nunn to Tyler to Bam. I mean, they've been they've gotten really productive rookies. So I, I'm I'm kind of done doubting that they're going to get something. Maybe maybe we're jumping the gun. I don't know. But I, I at first I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the pick. But I've I've really bought in. I really like what they did. I, I really like the fit. And I think you know if he even like kind of something tantalizing. If he's ready at the end of the season, if he's what we think he could be defensively, just uh just the athleticism and the size of putting him jimmy and bam kind of in your front court that's that's, that's nice it's nice mm-hmm. that's that's really exciting um the other guy who's going to be a big part of their defense especially in the playoffs is andre now i am i am done with andre at the five i just i don't know i don't want to see it ever again i don't know why Spo likes it so much i'm just i don't, it had like one good quarter against the celtics and then i don't know I, i'm like i i'm very low on andre just in general <clears throat> Um, mm-hmm. I'm not excited. I, I just, I look at him as a $50 million expiring contract. I don't know if that's mean. Um, I don't see a lot of regular season utility for him. You know, I would just rather give those minutes to precious, right? Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what the role is kind of next season. Well, he's like a, he's going to be like a, a 10th, 11th guy right now for them. Most likely, um, you know, I see hit like uh, if, unless Myers starts uh, it's probably going to be, you know, night to night matchup based uh, about, you know, Jimmy needs a night off. Jimmy's about trouble, stuff like that. Trying to get a smarter, a smart defender in there. I don't see Andre playing a whole lot. He didn't show uh, a lot. I mean, part of that could have been rusty, but he, only played like 20 something games and that was all with the heat last year because uh, of his holdout. So maybe, you know, maybe call it what it is. <laughs> so uh, maybe, you know, with training camp, he gets fresh, he's ready to go. Maybe it's more back to, to, you know, old Andre and he's smart cutter, good passer. Uh, and he, and he can play better. Maybe, maybe not playing him at the five will help too, but I don't know, man. I don't even, <laughs> I don't really like playing Andre at the four either. So it's tough, I don't like it either. Like I like him as as a three. Just be a three. You can switch if if in case of emergency, you know he's yeah. he has he is a really good help defender, and I think he's still good on screens. You know better than a lot of other he, guys. And he's have. he's got great hands. His hands don't get old. He's he's great at helping, picking uh, pockets, playing the passing lanes, stripping on, on on the shots at the rim. You know he's he's still really good at that high IQ player and he's going to talk and he, he, he will bring value to your defense that way. Uh, it's all about offensively if he's going to bring anything uh, at all. Uh, 
So, we, we, I mean, it remains to be seen. We got to see what kind of shape he's coming into. We hope he's more of the old Andre, more of the Golden State Andre at the end, towards the end, and less of the Miami Heat Andre. So, <laughs> we have two more guys that I that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to let Nikias. You're going to pick the next one, and I think these are two of the more interesting kind of high variance pieces. We have Duncan and we have KZ. Who would you rather? Who would you like to talk about first? Oh, let me take KZ. I think if KZ, listen, he fans have mythologized KZ into something that I feel bad for him. I think he fans think he's going to be like, you know, this, this unicorn type player, uh, which maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. I think in theory he is, I I don't know if the guys, have you seen how big he looks from the summer workouts? Yeah, and like kind of similar to the to the Mo Harkless shooting comp. Uh, like the bar is kind of the floor in terms of KZ having a little bigger. <laughs> because he was just just literally a stick figure when he came in. He's like, big, he's yoked. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very encouraging that he has added some weight. Like the Heat's strength and conditioning program is no joke. Like the dietary purpose is no joke. I'm glad that he's bulked up some. I'm interested to see like what that does for like his lateral quickness. If he hasn't lost that at all, then KZ becomes very, very, very intriguing defensively at least. Because you've seen what he can do like at the edge of a zone because he's just all arms and he's a good athlete. And he has those off-ball instincts. Like he he has a lot of tools and like he has enough ball skills to be interested in. Um, so like, I, I get the intrigue of him. Like, I just need to see like what it looks like. He has to, I want to see him in the preseason. Like, I'm sure he's going to get some burn was the first preseason game just coming Monday, I believe. Yeah, even December 14th. So I want to see what kind of leash he gets. Um, I want to see him attack a bit defense and see what he can do. If there are any reasons he can make on the move, um, defensively, like at worst, he's going to be a guy that plays the passing lanes. And a guy that can like grab and go after a defensive rebound. So just very intriguing young guy. I just want to see. I think if Andre Iguodala is really going to be kind of like a spot player during the regular season, that's the path for KZ to get some regular season minutes. I think between him and Precious, like it's really exciting. Like I think the high end of what, you know, I think if if KZ can be like a league average shooter, you know, plus the ball skill that he has, you know, plus kind of the tantalizing upside on defense, it's kind of the perfect guy to replace Jay Crowder. Cause like, I, I, I want you guys to like, look on, look, Google, you know, Casey Okpala 2020, you know, like he looks big, right. And if he's going to be able to guard up those positions and if he's going to be able to kind of be really, really effective in that zone that Miami really likes and mm-hmm. like teams of the, like, I think Miami's now Philly is going to be a concern for them again. You know what I mean? Not like you really got to worry about okay, how are we going to deal with, with Simmons? How are we going to deal with Embiid? How are we going to deal with kind of these bigger, longer teams? And obviously Boston's not going anywhere with Tatum. He's a guy that can also guard Jason Tatum, just like we talked about, you know, Harkless. They're going to have a lot of wing defenders to throw at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, that doesn't even count Jimmy Butler, who, you know, loves the assignment, loves the responsibility, is really good at it. And, you know, with this conserved kind of energy, right, right. Um, you know, we all will always have that Sacramento game. Uh, with KZ <laughs> yes, you know, forever. You know, I was, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty drunk at a, um, at a, at an alehouse. Uh, Frankie, I was at the alehouse, the Coral Gables alehouse. Oh yeah. Oh, I was gone. 
<laughs> I was like five gin and tonics in. And uh, I remember I was like for the quarter mile, KZ, look at him go. I don't even know if he played well. I don't know. I was, I was too <laughs> gone, but it, let me tell you something. Five gin and tonic beat was like all about KZ that night. <laughs> I thought I was going to die at that Coral Gables Ale house one time. Why? What happened? <laughs> I, uh, I saw these like big European guys, like in a group and uh, they're taking a picture and I photobombed them. And, uh, and, and I just jumped to the bar. So for last call and these, these two humongous, like six, five, German dudes come up to me and I'm like, Oh my God. And they go, this is how we do it where we're from. And they take a picture with me. I was like, Oh, <laughs> they are nice. They're friendly. Oh, they were so nice. They, they bought me a drink. It was awesome. That's awesome. Look at that. Making friends at the Coral Gables Hill house. Um, yeah. But KZ, man, I, I, KZ has become my Earl Baron. When <laughs> God, oh, what a name! That's a good oh, cut. God, oh, in 2006, when I heard Earl, Earl Barron was the was a Dirk Nowitzki guy in practice, I was so excited for his future. <laughs> in in 2K7, 2K8, I was I started I I made sure Earl Barron was getting a ton of minutes, a ton of development points. Okay, that's how that's how much I believed in Earl Barron, and now and now we heard KZ was the the Giannis guy in practice. I was hyped. I mean, I, I was I was a KZ fan uh, when he was in college. Uh, any ball handling forward uh, is gonna win my heart. Shout out to Scotty. Shout out to Tracy. Uh, I just love those kind of guys. Just that that talent at that size, uh, the the feel for the game. You hope for that the NBA speed slows down for him that he can you know make handle a little bit, make some passes. Importantly, defensively, make an impact, not get lost, and not have to play zone all the time when he's in the court. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it's intriguing, man. Casey's only twenty one. He's they got have- a full year into the G League. He's only twenty one. They have so many young guys, Frankie. Like we've talked about all these vets and young guys. Like I think that they have, you know, for a team that just made the finals, you know, we're talking about such raw products like KZ, like Precious, you know, Tyler's coming into his second year. We don't know what, what Bam's next leap is. And the next guy we're going to talk about Duncan, but like they have all these young guys and they have Goran, Jimmy, Mo Harkless, you know what I mean? Uh, Andre Gudala, uh, all these veterans as uh, Myers, Olenek, right? You have all these veterans, Avery Bradley, that I think that they really have struck a balance of like, okay, we have a lot of young talent. We also have a lot of really good vets that we like. And I think oftentimes the Heat pick one or the other. Okay, we're going all young. Okay, we're going all vets with plus Josh and Justice, right? Like it's never, it's never both, right? And I think that they struck a balance. They have a superstar at center who's, what is he, 23, 24 years old? How old's Bam? Something bad. 23 three years old. You know what I mean? And you have, I'm I've, you know, and it's just kind of hit me right now. I'm like, it's so impressive. And like, we're talking about two guys back to back KZ and precious or like what they can be different. And like, maybe, maybe both of them work. Maybe one of them works, you know, maybe neither of them work, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you have, you have a lot of lotto tickets. They have a lot of lotto tickets yeah, on this yeah. team. Right. And you know, bam, they already won the lottery, right? That, that ticket won. A Tyler might be another winning ticket. You know what I mean? And, and then you have all these, it's just, and, and we have none too. I mean, like maybe it wasn't the, maybe it wasn't the grand prize, but you know, you got a couple, you got a couple numbers and maybe you get 40 bucks. You know what I mean? It's, it's not bad. 
It's pretty good. Um, and one th- one thing about KZ real quick uh, before we go back and go to Duncan, uh, I think you know he had, he got a, uh, like half a season of the G League under his belt, and now that there's no G League season, I think uh, a full season of NBA practice, you know, m- might do him some good. Might there is a G to- League? Isn't it like you have to pay right? Like the teams have to pay per player. From, from what I've from what I've seen, like they're going to have a G League bubble. And I think only, what did I read? I think 12 teams have opted in for it. And I think the Heat were one of the teams that opted out, which is interesting to me. So I, I guess they're going to have like KZ and Toad are going to have Precious there. I think so they I expect, want, I think they're bracing for like injuries and stuff and like rest, the, mm-hmm. like after the short, short off season for them. And went so for that I, KZ, I think that's kind of smart. Vincent lineup. Oh, <laughs> Gabe. Wasn't that in the Sacramento game? Didn't Gabe play in that game? Maybe this has already happened. <laughs> We're already. Um, I really was that want, game. Was what? that the game that Gabe hit, came in and hit like his first like two or three threes? That might have been Orlando, or I might be confusing him with Henry Walker. No, it wasn't Henry Walker. <laughs> I mean, like, who remembers Go. that? Speaking of wings, remember that Henry Walker game in Orlando? Good old William. Oh man, <laughs> that's so that's so old school. He Twitter. State legend. That was a fun season. Was that the season that Beasley and Zoran went off the last game? Yeah, Yeah, that was not a fun season. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. In retrospect, it was fun because of the joke, because of Billiam, because of Zoran, the the last Beasley, Beasley go off. James Ennis, the savior. Oh, God. Freaking James Ennis never learned how to dribble. I just, (laughs) he's still, he's off Philly, right? Uh, no, James Ennis is back in Orlando. Oh, look at oh, good for you, James Ennis. Well, full circle. <laughs> well, I, I want to get to Duncan now. I think I think Duncan might be like, obviously, like you know Jimmy and Bam and Goran, whatever. But like after those guys, my favorite player to watch on this team, more than Tyler, and I might be a hot take. I am in love with everything that Duncan does offensively. I. I expect everything that he shoots to go in. The movement is incredible. The screening, the just his relocation is just fucking rages. Like good defenders are losing him because they think he's somewhere and then he just relocates. And that's exhausting to defend. And I like, I think Danny Green or what was it Kuzma or whatever, the, the video of them losing him, like they look back, oh, where'd he go? Um, <laughs> and he's just like always moving. And it's like such a cliche, but like, uh, and I've said this before, but, uh, Coach David Thorpe talked about uh, on on a podcast with um, with Dave Dufour or was it Zach Lowe? I don't remember. But Dave, he, he talked on a podcast about they're teaching people, kids, like you know, uh, developmental guys, how to move like Duncan, how to stop your body and go up vertically like Duncan. Like he's just like legitimately changing the way people coach that kind of player. Right? It used to be JJ Redick, and now they're like, well, we're going to teach you how to be Duncan Robinson. It's just fucking crazy. He's Duncan Robinson. He was like this big. He was a stick figure. He was my pinky last season. He played a million minutes in Dwayne's game against the Nets. And I'm like, why is he here? What is he? What are they doing? Spo, what are you doing? Like, it it's so pass- confusing. It was the passing of the torch on that Dwayne uh, <laughs> assist on that lob. Bro, it's crazy, dude. It's like, I, I, and then the has mentioned the comments and the, yeah, Doug's a great shooter. And like, well, it's like, yeah, okay, Spo, I've watched them. Yeah, okay. He's just, you know, he's white and he's skinny. Uh, you're just saying that. Uh, the dude is unreal. You know, unfortunately, that Clay's not going to play. I mean, he very may well be the second best shooter in the league. 
uh you know what i mean like just the volume the movement uh the partnership with bam like that would i think we it was like a one point like five points per 1.2 points per possession every bam duncan handoff like 1.25 1.25 that's crazy they're like scoring over a point every time they run that action it's so fucking automatic it's ridiculous and you know just kind of looking ahead i'm looking at the contract that joe harris just got this offseason i think yep. 475 is what he got mm-hmm. and like harris is better than duncan robinson but also duncan is bigger he is a little bit younger you said you said like, who's duncan, better than duncan robinson i think joe harris is better than duncan robinson because of the overall defense? player because the overall player yeah yeah because you know, i mean he is a better defender harris can do a little bit more ball okay he is a better fin- he's a better finisher as well i mean the volume low but he does have a little bit more to his game so like i think harris is better but also duncan is bigger he's younger um, he has really set himself up to get paid next year and he's earned it because he has turned himself into the ultimate off-ball weapon. Like you mentioned, the chemistry he has in dribble handoffs, the way that he relocates, um, the way that he screens and then pops out when Miami goes into that, uh, goes into their post-bullet action. Like he is a very underrated screener. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that you can see the, the influence from Golden State, from Clay, from Steph with the way those guys, that's what makes him so dangerous. Like those guys don't just get in the way. And with them being as great as shooters as they are, getting in the way and then running is can't be enough to bend the defense. They make contact and then they sprint full speed. And it just puts your defense in such a frenzy when you're dealing with that kind of connection and that kind of speed and that kind of threat from the perimeter. And Duncan Robinson does everything at 100 miles per hour. Like, and that just makes him so much, so much difficult to defend. <laughs> There's... You want to hear something crazy? Yes. Uh, so we, I, I mentioned earlier that you know corner threes are like a great indicator of how good of a shooter you are, uh-huh. uh, just as a base because there's a lot of catch and shoot. Duncan shot forty nine point three percent from the corners. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That's basically a layup. A little less, but yeah, I think it's that's insane. Like I, I couldn't believe watching the playoffs last season how fucking scared of Duncan these teams were. The way that they would plan their defense around the handoff action, like they're terrified of him. And the Lakers were sending three guys sometimes. They'd have AD kind of dropped, and then they'd have two guys come for Duncan, right? And I'm just like, it's Duncan Robinson. This is hilarious. <laughs> Like he's like scaring people, and then they're like, "Okay, well, AD, you got to step up on Duncan Robinson." And it's like, what? He was a, a Sky Force legend last year, and then he's starting in the finals, and like he was the number one schemed option in the finals, which is insane. Nikai, would, would you guys on. say that he was the guy that that teams most scheme for on the Heat? That that, that yeah. day one, coaches come in and they're okay. The first thing on the board. Duncan. Yeah, because like with Bam and Jimmy, like not to take away how good they are, because they are like they're both top 15 players in the league. But just in terms of what they do, they're very easy to scheme for. Like Jimmy duck under picks, make him shoot jumpers. Bam, you know, play off of him, make him shoot, make him beat you off the dribble. Like you don't want him to get get downhill alone. You dare, get to the rim. You, dare like you to do that? Like that, that's the defense. And like you know, Jimmy's good enough to make you pay with the rescreens and things like that. Bam is good enough to make you pay because he just flips into those handoffs. But like, just 
in terms of the game plan, it's very point blank. Go under, playoff. With Duncan, it's okay, you know, chase him off of screens, but trail him in a certain way because if you trail him this way, he'll reverse course on you or he'll catch it, jump up like he's going to take a shot, flip it back to Bam and then go back the other way. Like you can't even just say run him off the line <laughs> because he has built-in counters now. And then you get into like the second half of the season to where teams are trying to blitz those handoffs and now Duncan is slipping in pocket passes. I love that. So like, So now you can't even really do that. So like, you know, Toronto, they had the personnel to switch those handoffs. So I think now for Duncan, the next counter is going to be either you just got the fire anyway when teams are mid-switch, or you're going to have to have some kind of two-dribble package. It's two dribbles into an elbow jumper. It's two dribbles get to the rim. Maybe it's two dribbles, flip the ball back, and then fly off another handoff. I think it's what can you do with two dribbles now with Duncan? Because when it's just coming off the catch or if it's one dribble, he has the ability to fire over a contest or slip in that pocket pass and then turns into a four on three. It's what he can do after two dribbles now. And if that develops, <laughs> watch out. Good luck. Like, I don't, I don't know what you do when you compare that to what everything else the Heat are going to have on the floor. So he talked a little bit about kind of uh, getting, getting a mid range, kind of working on that mid range. And I imagine he means a pull up, right? The other thing yeah. is, and I, the, cause I, I've talked about a lot about how Toronto switched that because I imagine, and I was surprised more teams didn't mimic that in the playoffs. I thought like, for example, Milwaukee had the personnel and they just didn't do it. Uh, you know, so I, I think Thanks, what, bud. I thought the Celtics did too, by the way. I mean, I think with smart and the guys, I think that they had the personnel to switch it that way because like at the end of the day, it was Norman Powell fronting bam, right. To kind of prevent that pass off that switch, which is, you know, as much as I love Norm, like it's just Norman Powell, dude. And I think a little bit falls on bam. Like you got to be able to punish those smaller matchups. And we talked about that during the big preview, but like, if you're bam, right. So if, if they switch that and now all of a sudden, if you're dunking, you have a guy like OG Ananobi on you, which is, you know, it's just really tough at that point. You know, that's one of the, he's a guy that I said could be, you know, an all defensive player next year. Um, or, or the defensive player of the year, you know, at that point you can, you can kind of flip that into another handoffs of Goran or Tyler kind of come from the other side and then re get bam sealing his man. And now big fella, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pretend that guy's miles Turner and uh, score some points. Cause <laughs> you know, you gotta punish smaller guys. Like that can't only, that can't fall on like your limited shooter. Yeah. Next step. So he just has to have that constant aggression. Like he has to put, he has to punish smaller guys. You have to have Eastern conference finals, bam Love. for 72 games, game six, bam, which, oh man, just, just put Daniel Tyson in a blender. I just, <laughs> yeah. What a time. Dave Dufour's mentions were melting in real time. I felt so bad for Dave. <laughs> Dave he put him in a washer machine. Oh my God. I was like, Oh, stop it. Twitter is poor. <laughs> That was a rough series for Dave. I love you, Dave. Dave's, Dave's, Dave's good. Dave's a friend. Um, I, I I look forward to everything that Duncan has next season. I'm I'm excited. I think that the Heat have a potential to be a top five offense next season. They ended up like seventh, right? Mm-hmm. They were like around seven. I think that I think there's a lot to improve on. I think that kind of especially as the season went on, they really found their footing as to what they wanted to do offensively. This wasn't an off season for the offense. It wasn't because, you know, they, you know, Jay Crowder helped them on offense more than I think Mo Harkless will. I think the high end of Mo Harkless is maybe, you know, about what Jay Crowder gave you at his high end. So I think it's a pretty lateral move. And I think Avery Bradley helps them a little bit. 
they're largely kind of the same team. You know, I don't, I don't know if Avery's going to play high stakes playoff minutes, but he'll, he'll help you in the regular season survive. And I think Harkless is the same. And, you know, it depends on what you have with precious and KZ and all that. Um, I'm excited. I, th- I imagine they're going to have a better regular season than last year. I think guys know their role. I think that they're probably going to have a better offense. Everybody's going to be a little better. You expect Bam to take that leap. Do you expect Tyler to take another leap? I think maybe, you know, you maybe expect Goron to decline a little bit, right? And I think that that's the other thing that we haven't talked a lot about, but, you know, as, as long as that decline can get mitigated, you know, and if Jimmy kind of stays the course, you know, plus your other internal improvements, I, I think that you're in a good spot if Goron doesn't fall off a cliff. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's partly why Miami's depth is going to matter so much this season. I mean, short turnaround, you know, Goran's coming off the injury as well. You have to account for that. But just having so many guys and so many different lineup combinations they can throw out, they really can pace themselves in a way that they couldn't last year. And that's going to be exciting. Like, the Heat are playing for – they're playing for 16 games. Like, they're obviously going to care about the regular season to build habits to see what the young guys can do um, on the nights of their resting guys or whatever. You know, we may see some pressures. We may see some KZ, whatever. But they are, they are building towards their 16-game season. And I think the Heat have more horses to kind of get them through this kind of marathon now than they did last year. I think it's going to be huge for them moving forward. This is going to be a weird season, Frankie. It's going to be weird. There's going to be a lot of injuries. There's going to be a lot of COVID shit. I mean, there's, it's weird. It's going to be weird. I don't even, I mean, like we've spent three podcasts and this is probably four hours talking about every player on this team in depth. And it may just get nuked because, you know, somebody didn't disinfect their hands properly from, you know, getting a coffee. Yeah. A, a friend of mine mentioned, uh, how it's kind of like sad, but like it's uh, for some teams, like it's, it was kind of good that some players got COVID already. So Jesus the Christ. Antibodies. Yeah. I was like, I was like, damn, like I, I get what you're saying. Didn't like, Nick yeah, Saban get it twice? No, he had he had like a he had like a false positive, and he had to keep retaking the test. That's hello. Oh my god, I'm here thinking like this old man caught it twice and lived. That's privilege. Yeah, <laughs> he took the he took the sh- the milkshake that uh, Trump did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that cocktail. <laughs> but no, man, it's uh, I expect it to be weird. It's going like it's going to be scary with all the COVID stuff and the traveling and and everything. And like a lot of people, you know, obviously would prefer a bubble, but it, it seemed like so hard for the players. I couldn't imagine wanting to do that for the whole season. That shit looks that like was, it sucks. Yeah, man. And and like I I, I presume they do something uh, like if it's still bad uh, by the time of playoffs, you know, they pro- they probably might do like an, a playoff bubble uh, similar to what they did. Maybe like a round uh, round conference finals to finals bubble. Yeah, something like that, just so they can, you know, like mitigate. Did uh, baseball do that? Minimize all the issue. Kind of. They they like they did uh, games all in the same place um, in Texas here, uh, but they here. like they were just staying in the hotels. They they didn't have like, you know, they weren't uh, shutting everything down, closing everything off for them. Listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting. There's a trade deadline that's probably gonna be batshit crazy because of all this hardened nonsense and Beal can now finally get moved and it's going to be, listen, um, 
I guess, I guess let me ask you guys on the way out, because you are two of the smartest people I've ever talked to, especially about basketball. Uh, you know, if, if a Harden deal comes down to Tyler and Duncan, you know, you do that immediately, right? See a lot of people in the timeline kind of discussing that. Yes. Yeah. It's like no Period. question. Yes. That's like everybody, but Jimmy and bam. Yeah. I don't even like Harden that much and I'd do it. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta have to. Yeah. It's like, he's, he instantly, like he turns whatever you have, your scraps into a top three offense. So, and we were top seven as is. So, and, and Harden's that, you know, for as bad as he is defensively, it, it's all off ball. It's not like, um, it's not like Tyler where they can, or Duncan that they can pick at you and they're going at oh, you. No, they'll, they'll, uh, he gets picked on plenty. No, no, but he gets picked. He doesn't get picked on. Like LeBron isn't going to ISO Harden, uh, and it's going to be like an automatic layup, like it is against uh, I mean, those, those other guys. Anybody, a he, foot, no, but hard. Anybody a foot smaller than LeBron's an automatic layup. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, like Harden's strong. Like he's not, he's not a going to be a horrible one-on-one defender. Uh, his problem is tracking guys off the ball and stuff like that. And if you trade for Harden, you're you're going to be a switch team. You're gonna have Harden, Jimmy, and Bam. You're gonna be a switch team anyway, so it's it'll it'll be mitigated uh, dis- disaster. You defense. worried about the coexistence of with Jimmy as a non-shooter with Harden? No, uh, I think I think you can work on that uh, plenty. I think Jimmy will be bet will be closer to his career averages shooting, um, and then James just gets so much attention uh, on the ball that that it will it'll help. East, uh, you know, loosen up the the wheels on the back end. I think Miami has like a low key, like nice package for him. If if you include Duncan, so you have Tyler Dunk, uh, whatever treasure trove of picks starting with twenty twenty five that you can move, uh, plus you know expiring money for the cheapest fucking owner I've ever seen in my life, right? So you you get a lot of money off his books with Olenek and with uh, with Andre and and whatever. And if I don't know if they have a wink wink with Myers that you, we trade you for salary purpose. I don't, I don't you know what I mean like that. I think they have a lot of uh. They have a lot of horses and juice in trades, you know, because they have, I think as much as they may say, and they may like Tyler, I think to get a blue chip superstar, I think they have a young guy that's good enough that could get you in the door. Not a and lot they of have baby honest. And isn't it crazy to say baby honest, that a guy like Tyler for them, like they can, they can move off of it. Like they have two of these guys with Bam and Tyler that they're like, yeah, we don't have to give up our best blue chip young prospect. We give up our, our second best blue chip young prospect. Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. I feel like that's a lot of disrespect to Bam. Bam is already a proven. Oh yeah. No. All NBA guy. That's why I said blue chip young. Like, no, no, but I'm saying like best player in the damn league. Like if, if, if Miami offered Bam for Harden, the deal would be done. No, Miami said, no, Miami doesn't do no, no, that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they should. Do you do I'm that, Nikias? If, if it's just Bam for Harden straight up, pretend salaries don't matter. No. Yeah, me neither. I'm there. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. No, but uh, that's what I'm saying. Like comparing Bam, like Bam is a blue, is a blue chip prospect. Uh, he's a star. He's, he's proven already. Uh, Tyler is still a prospect. Tyler still hasn't started for the majority of his career. He's still, he's a, an exciting young prospect, a bench guy. He's got a lot to prove. 
before he's like a blue chip guy. I think this his, his, his this season is huge for him. I I think he's got a lot of potential. I think like you know like a lot of people feel like his best case scenario is similar to like what Bradley Beal is, and that is a all NBA player. So that's very high high praise. Uh, but he, Tyler hasn't done anything close to proving that he's that kind of player yet. I'm I'm excited. Okay, before we go, because now that we've gone through every player, let's project our starters. Um, let's start with Nikias. Who do you think are are the likely? If you're if you know now not who's the best five, but who do you think is really what they're going to use for the regular season? Um, what I think they're going to do. What you think? I think they're going to go. I think they go Hero Robinson Butler Bam Leonard. So you have both both of the both of the shooters. What about you, Frankie? I think, I think it's gonna be uh to start, it's gonna be Avery, uh Duncan, Jimmy, Bam, and Leonard. I think I think we're all in agreement that Bam and Leonard are it. Um I'm all you know, Jimmy's obviously a lock. I think Duncan's a lock. I know some people have kind of hinted maybe otherwise, but I, I don't think that there's just any way that, 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 that guy is not going to play with your starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point they bay it's going to, I think it'll be between none and Avery. Mm-hmm. I just think that Tyler off the bench is nice, especially when you're playing with precious and Goron, you really want to give Goron an, an elite floor spacer. And I think it just makes sense. And I think eventually maybe Tyler can get to that starting role maybe in the playoffs or whatever, but I just think it, it makes sense. And also, we mentioned this last, I think Christian joked about it. They got to get none some minutes because you kind of want his value to be something. <laughs> that's not yeah, a joke. I mean, they just can't, you know, stash them, never use them. And then try to be like, Hey, you want, you want them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could go back to that starting lineup that they, they ran the majority of the year. I, I don't think it'd be a bad choice. No. I, th- I think, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the big question, I think we all agree. The big question is going to be the starting guard spot. Starting point yeah. guard spot. Yeah. I say, and to be clear, like if it were up to me, like I would go with Frankie's lineup. Like I think Bradley should start the one. I do think that they are probably going to put a lot of stock into what hero did last postseason. I'm kind of projecting him upward. And also like if hero is going to, if you're thinking of Hero being a guy that can get you a Beal or a Harden or a Giannis in a signing trade if it comes down to it or whatever, then you might want to showcase him as a starter. And like he already has chemistry with your key guys anyway. So I think it would be an easy transition um, there. So that's why I'm kind of, I'm thinking that they're going to start Hero. I would start Bradley because I think you want that point of attack defense, but I can understand that he is kind of throwing their guns out there. I think what with they, Myers, it makes sense to start Bradley. Yeah. Uh, well, one quick thing. I, we talked about uh, the the coverage on defense, what they're going to do if, if it's drop or uh, switch heavy. I think they got so much faster defensively. I would be interested in seeing how the blitzing lineups look, you know, a little bit more hedging, a little bit more aggressiveness. Uh, Avery Bradley's tremendous. Uh, 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 picking pockets, you know, he's great, uh, going over screens and, and Bam's so athletic, especially when you, you play him at the four, he's, he's so long and athletic with pressures too. That's going to be, that's an easy thing to do just edge and double trap. And you got guys like Jimmy, you got guys like Mo Harkless that are, are long athletic and, 
and can just read the passing lanes and Andre too, that I'd be interested in seeing how that looks. I just think that if you're going to, you know, th- this is a team that I, I think would benefit a lot from running. Uh, not that yeah. they have a ton of athletic guys, but they have enough shooters that in kind of mid transition, that's just so fucking horrifying when Duncan and Tyler are your trailers and mm-hmm. uh, you know, bam kind of darting to the rim. And I think Andre's and brush is too. Yeah. Like I, I think that getting out, I don't, I just don't think they're going to have the guys, you know, there's no Dwayne. There's no, they don't have a lot of guys in the wing. That's going to get a lot of steals, maybe Butler and, and Bradley, but I, I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to have enough on the wing to do that. No, that's why I say like they, they do the, they, they can create the pressure and it, it kind of takes, it's kind of like goes back to like what they did with the big three um, where, the, where, where they use Blosh and, uh, and made, made him hedge and, and trap and, and uh, stunt and recover. But the and difference there was the guy that's kind of closing that space and making the decision between the guy in the corner. And then the on-ball guy was Dwayne Wade who's not only a freak hey, athlete, but a fucking genius. Listen, Jimothy Butler can do it. <laughs> oh, Jimmy can. I don't doubt Jimmy can. I just, I start oh, having no, no, no. questions saying- when it's, you know, Avery and Goran and, you know, Mo Harkless. I start having I'm, questions. I'm saying, I mean, they did it with Ray Allen and Shane Battier and like, and Mike Miller. They did it with slow guys. So it's not like, what am I talking like they about? They made Gerald Green an efficient defender. What am who am I kidding? Yeah, no, I'm saying I'm not saying it's like a full system. I'm saying like they they can throw it in spots. I'd be curious yeah. with certain lineups, uh, like Avery, like Avery Jimmy Bam lineups that that you have three plus defenders and and can create some pressure and and run in transition, which they were so bad in transition last year. Oh God, they got they really got to get better, and I think the athletes are going to help everybody. Thank you so much for coming today, kind of talking, putting the bow on this preview for this Miami Heat season. They have a lot of expectations coming off. It feels good to have a. It feels good to cover a good team. It didn't really feel that way halfway through the regular season last season. Uh, they were kind of the three seed for a while, and then they started losing to Charlotte and the Knicks and the Nets and the, the Wizards, and it got dicey. Uh, but it's it's good to be back. Oh my Garrison God. Matthews. <laughs> Cam Reddish decided he, I'm gonna be a competent NBA player against God, the Miami Heat. Awful. It feels it feels good to have a season preview where there's a, we're talking about finals aspirations, playoff rotations, all that stuff. It's really exciting. Uh, we have so much at Heat Beat planned for you this season. We have a couple announcements kind of coming really soon that I think uh I think gonna get fans of us really excited. We have tons of cool stuff coming. Mention on the top if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you. We're trying to grow this audience. It means a lot to us. Follow us on Twitter at MIA Heat Beat myself at Gnavis103 at Nikias MBA and at Frankie G underscore. I get it right. Yep. That's good. Nikias is the only person who has NBA in their title who's actually cool. <laughs> hard disagree. Very hard disagree. We're not going to disrespect Chris Herring like this. Oh no, I, Chris Herring. No, I will not disrespect Chris Herring's great. Oh, my favorite low post guest. Chris Herring's amazing. Go, Chris Herring's that guy. Chris Herring, come on, he. <laughs>